right, I think we're live here. Let's uh, make sure I'm doing this right here. All right, y'all, back, ready to go here. Let me know if you guys can hear me, if the uh, audio is good, and we'll get started on this National Signing Day, early signing day eve, what has really, for all intents and purposes, become National Signing Day. Awesome. All right, so uh, there's not a whole lot of structure to this. I'll just give you guys an idea as to kind of where I think Florida State stands with kids. If you have particular questions that you want to go over, uh, you know, individual recruitments, whatever else, I'm happy to go over that. Uh, Kamari Wilson is the first question. Yeah, I wouldn't um, anticipate Kamari signing with Florida State and uh, happy to see him go to Georgia, uh, to be honest with you. And if you're a place like Georgia, uh, that's kind of got to be the type of spot that you sign a kid like that to where you have enough infrastructure and everything to keep somebody like that, have enough competition around him to where he can stay focused and, you know, make him the best uh, player that he could possibly be. So, um, we already got the, uh, let's see, we've gotten some Travis Hunter, Converse or Travis Hunter questions. Of course we will. <laughs> um, yeah, Kamari Wilson, best of luck to him and Athens uh, by all accounts. Uh, Nigelique Kelly is somebody that uh, I'm probably going to be slightly more optimistic than most others. I'm not going to say that you are signing this kid per se, uh, but you have had some decent uh, feedback from his end of the equation. Now, do I question, is every other school recruiting him getting similar feedback? Very possibly. Uh, but that's one that I would keep an eye on a little bit more than, um, what, you know, the general consensus is around following kids recruitments here that were on the, uh, the edge of national signing day. Kesna, um, Marvin Jones, Jr., I think if you're a Florida State fan, you just got to hope that that kid goes to sleep tonight and has dreams about, you know, his, the contributions that his dad made and his uncle and his cousin and everything else and just hope that he wakes up with the real strong desire to, you know, carry on kind of the family tradition of playing ball at Florida State. I think you've done everything in the world recruiting this kid. You knew it would be a challenge. Uh, you knew it would probably go down to the edge. Uh, to the end, if, if nothing else, just out of respect for uh, the school and all the family ties that exist there. But um, I, I think you're probably sitting behind Bama and probably Georgia uh, and maybe maybe even USC, uh, strangely enough. 
Yeah, Julian Armella, uh, I, I think you can all but count him in the class uh, for this, you know, at this point in time. It would take something wild uh, for you to not be there. Um, yeah, I mean, the NIL opportunities with Jones Jr. are certainly something that Florida State had in their corner. Um, but, you know, everybody out there is going to going to be throwing things at these kids and certainly Florida State's not the only person or the only group that could uh that could put together a competitive NIL for somebody like that. Um Okay, so FSU with uh and where they are with Coleman. I think there's a little bit more of uh some slight let, you know, like last minute optimism on that end uh with Coleman right now. I still think he's going to sign elsewhere, but uh, it does sound as though Florida State is maybe slightly more confident at this point in time than they were uh, maybe a day ago. But again, I, I think this kid goes elsewhere. And, um, you know, the wide receiver recruiting in general is something that will have to be evaluated and uh, really kind of taken stock in, like, what, how this played out and to the extent that, uh, you know, Florida State still has not turned over a room that desperately needs to be turned over. Um, and, you know, I don't know the exact circumstance with with Mortimer. It certainly sounds like, uh, you know, there's some issues that both sides need to get cleaned up there. I still think the kid's going to sign with Florida State, but um, I think there was an understanding that there might be a visit that takes place there. And uh, I don't know. Uh, it's just an issue of communication. And ultimately, I think the kid signs with Florida State. Florida State desperately needs to sign him uh, at this point. And uh, hopefully you're evaluating this wide receiver conundrum after adding Mortimer and the off, um, you know, the, <laughs> the off-referenced uh, Dustin Hill, who I – think ultimately uh joins the class here or joins Florida State in January uh it has been a you know a long strange trip certainly to to uh I, I don't know the Destin Hill situation's a a wild one uh but I think you ultimately do get him on campus here and you know hopefully uh, you can get him into the pipeline get him developed and you know this just becomes strange some strange recruiting saga that is, uh, you know, referenced for the next, uh, you know, decade or so. Uh, why do I not have, yeah, yes, those are Christmas lights. Why do I not have them turned on? Uh, they're too bright. Honestly, when I plug them in, they, uh, they, they just don't work on video. So, um, it's kind of a strange look to have and not have them plugged in, but that's the, uh, that's the case. Uh, yeah, Helton coming back is, a. A little bit surprising to me. He was one of the guys I thought would, uh, I thought would, you know, make their way out uh, and and seek other opportunities, so to say. Yeah, I mean, Dugans is, uh, you know, something that will have to be reviewed. That's that's all you can really say at this point. Hopefully, he has decent amount of success tomorrow. Add some kids and. That conversation is is one that's a little less awkward, but uh, until that takes place, I think 
there's going to be a decent amount of skepticism as to the recruiting that uh, that Ron has done or unfortunately was was not able to do. Um, so Coach Dillingham, uh, as Colin puts it there, yeah, I mean, I, I think Kenny ultimately is going to make his way out to the West Coast. I just think there's a you know general understanding here that doesn't need to take place in the next 24 hours. There's not a whole lot to gain from Oregon's perspective if you announce Kenny Dillingham right now. Um, I, I think it's a convenient situation for everybody to kind of see this part of the process through, and then Kenny can go out West and you know, start his own, uh, you know, be the the uh, captain of the ship on his own side of the ball and uh, wish him the best of luck out there. Uh, yeah, I do think, yes, Kamari Wilson is trolling us. One of the first things that I mentioned, at least he is in my opinion. Uh, is Florida State more likely to finish with a top 15 class or class outside the top 15 yeah, Derek, I don't see how they fall out of the top 15. I mean, in all likelihood, you're going to add some really nice kids tomorrow and some really nice kids tomorrow that maybe even have higher recruiting rankings than necessarily uh, where I would have. I mean, look, and that's, that's – Armella's a great pickup. He's just not the number one, number two offensive tackle in the country, right? Same thing with West. Is that a five-star defensive tackle according to some services? Yes, according to most people, no. No, he's not. He's a great pickup. And if you sign West, um, uh, let me just pick this up to make sure I'm not, uh, you know, not doing this uh, wrong. If you sign West, I believe you'll sign three of the top 11 players in the state of Georgia, which is kind of what you need to do if you're Florida State. You're never going to, you know, dominate that uh that state by any means, but you need to be a, a player and a, a kind of a, consistent presence in the state and that would be a a massive pickup uh tyler let's see what did you say a lot of issues right now yeah tyler i mean i think you bring up some good points there i I think um that running back recruiting you've got a decent recruiter there you've certainly got a guy with relationships so he gets um credited or associated with some recruitments and he's done a good job bringing some kids uh, to the program with his ties to the state of Louisiana. But, uh, you know, and, and on the offensive side of the ball, you got Kenny Dillingham, who's leaving, and you've got Alex Atkins, really good recruiter, and you've got Mike Norvell. I mean, those are your offensive recruiters right now. That's a challenge. I will say this, um, that, like, Mike Norvell is – probably trying to handle as many recruitments individually as I think a head coach can possibly do. That's uh, reflective, in my opinions, uh, that as a head coach, when you get done with this, you need to sit back and be like, yeah, I need to be able to rely on more people than, you know, myself or two or three people to really see some of these, uh, some of these commitments or some of this recruitment through. Uh, Phil, glad you're able to step out of the Christmas party and really appreciate you joining us tonight. Um, how long till Florida State gets back to dominating the ACC in the same way that the, the great Glasgow Ranger? Yeah. Um, I mean, you certainly have to like what you've seen over the last couple months as far as Clemson having to deal with changes for the first time uh, in a long time. And could you see Florida State being in a place to you know, really compete for the conference within three years. Yeah, I think so. I still think they have to do a better job of, uh, 
you know, they've got to do a better job of <sighs> kind of what I just said, but also not just in individual position coaches, but really the broader program, the broader athletic department. I mean, Florida State has to do a better job of some of the surrounding pieces um, to really be seen as a, you know, fully invested athletic department, uh, particularly fully invested towards football. And I'm not, you know, fully invested has its own connotation, but it, you know, it's not just NIL or, you know, bags of non-taxable money. It's about having people in positions that are absolute professionals and ready to do everything that's necessary uh, to be, you know, competent additions to a, uh, to an athletic office and a, and a football program. Um, let's see, are there any big surprises on the radar? This is a common question out there. And I, I'm going to give you an answer that I feel slightly more confident because I'm not trying to sell you anything and I'm not trying to sell you, you know, a last minute sub at midnight or something like that and try to get you to sign on to a message board because I'm a mystery recruit said with fingers in the air. Yeah, I do think there's one name out there, guys. And I I, I don't try to be this guy, uh, but there is one prospect out there that I think Florida State has a chance to sign in tomorrow that would be a pretty big surprise to a lot of people um, and would be a, a welcome addition to the class. So, I, you know, I can't go into a whole lot of names uh, like that, but there are a couple – prospects out there one in particular that if Florida State signs it would be a big deal and it would be seen um as a you know something that comes out of left field uh, to a lot of people so um let's see so yeah Coleman at this point I don't think signs with Florida State I think that goes in a different direction like I said there's some you know some small amount of optimism uh, from some people surrounding him. But at this point, I still think that goes in a different direction. Um, let's see. If you don't get the high school recruit, you know what's going on. Yeah. And uh, I'll be interested to talk more about Bud, uh, to Bud about this, about the impact on the portal and what it means for like the you know, the high-end three-star prospects, uh, and if they have to wait, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon that, a, you know, say a Florida State would have kind of soft-played a outside linebacker um, for months and just kind of, quote, kept him warm, uh, to use an industry term. And then, you know, a night before signing, say sometime around now, a kid would get a commit, would get a call and get greenlit for a, a scholarship. And I really wonder as to if stuff like that happens in 2021 with the transfer portal. I, I think that scholarship for most large programs at this point just gets held and said, well, we'll see what comes out in the portal and we'll see if, uh, <laughs> we'll see if, uh, if something, you know, becomes either immediately available or immediately uh, available after spring practice when a kid either, you know, realizes he's not where he wants to be on the depth chart or maybe a coaching staff is talking to him about a position change or anything else like that. Yeah, Lee, I did see uh, Lane Kiffin's commitments today and uh, comments today, and I thought they were interesting. I mean, I thought there's a decent amount of um, – of honesty to him. And I have been a little surprised 
that you haven't seen kids talk more openly about, hey, look, you know, this guy offered, um, you know, this this school offered me $280,000 in NIL money and nobody else has even come after that or something like that. So kids have been kind of tight-lipped about, you know, particular NIL offerings and that's an interesting development. But I, I don't think what Lane said, uh, while it didn't necessarily come across uh, in a wonderful manner, um, I do think there's a decent amount of truth to it. And Lee, I think you're probably right that there is probably some skepticism as to how legal some of these things are and if they can comment about them. And I guess you can't really comment about it as a recruit because it would be seen as a direct enticement, which is in theory seen as illegal. Uh, yeah, the Johnson brothers, I mean, the fact that the Jake Johnson, the kid that would be the best wide receiver, you would be the best receiving option you have on campus the second that he stepped on campus outside of the times that Travis Hunter took a snap on that side of the ball. Looks like he's uh, making a commitment tomorrow. Uh, A&M is the guess that most of the uh, people that I talk to about that because, yeah, A&M needs more needs more kids in this recruiting class, don't they? Um, that, that looks like that's the direction that that may be going, although, uh, you know, again, nobody has a real uh, perfect, you know, feel for this. Um, I'll also say, look, I, I think you may see some crazy stuff tomorrow. I really do, because there's so much uncertainty um, out there. There's been so much change recently in these coaching staffs. Uh, I... I think you may see uh, a really wild day, and that's not just Florida State specific. I talked to, um, I talked to a guy who's who does in the recruiting department at a, another ACC school here, and talked to two guys who work with SEC schools uh, yesterday, and it is a uh, it's a wild damn time in recruiting, and I think tomorrow may be one of the more wild signing days that we've seen. So uh, just a kind of a random comment more about, uh, you know, national recruiting in general, not necessarily something that's Florida State specific. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are but only so many high school kids that can immediately contribute. And you're right, Phil, that the the portal will serve as somewhat of a, you know, somewhat of a, bridge for that um but at the same time you know that's one of the unique selling points that Florida State can make this year is a lot of these kids can come in and immediately contribute because the roster is not very good uh and particularly in some positions the roster is just really just horrible uh Dillingham replacement yeah I, I would fully expect Atkins to be named the offensive coordinator um fully expect that <laughs> Uh, wild day benefiting Miami. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's not, it could in theory, certainly, but that, that wasn't a, that wasn't code for any particular school being the beneficiary of it. It's just more that there's an awful lot of, uh, of staffs out there who are recruiting, uh, you know, recruiting against three or four schools who don't really know where a kid's going and neither do some of their, their competition. So, um, it's a, I think tomorrow has a chance to be a very, very wild day. How do I feel about Travis Hunter? I think Florida State's going to sign Travis Hunter tomorrow. Um, I was a little concerned again about 10 days ago or so, but I, I think that – I think you're good there. I do. Um, I will 
I'm almost hesitant to say this because I fully expect Travis Hunter to sign with Florida State tomorrow, and I'm not hedging, backing off, or anything off, uh, anything else there. But like this theory that he would be doing the worst thing possible by Florida State to doing that, yeah, I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, if if a kid waits and lets the rest of the class sign with Florida State, and then where to go elsewhere? That's not necessarily the the worst way for that to play out for Florida State. But having said that, I, I think Travis Hunter signs with Florida State. I think for Travis Hunter uh, is the biggest thing that uh, that Florida State has signed in a long, long time and is going to be a massive addition. So uh, I welcome that, and I very much look forward to transferring from the are we sure Travis Hunter is going to sign with Florida State discussion to arguing with each other as to what side the ball he's going to play on and how many snaps. What concerned me with Hunter is just, uh, look, I've been talking with Bud for five years about some of the, you know, very (laughs) aggressive and, um, you know, uh, a lot of innovation has been shown by uh, the boys in Athens when it comes to to getting kids uh, to commit and see where their argument is the most uh, influential. And, uh, you know, I, I say this in a complimentary fashion. I'm not bagging on Georgia, uh, but Georgia, you know, Georgia knows what the hell it's doing when it comes on the recruiting trail with putting some, uh, you know, putting some very direct enticement in front of kids and showing them that uh, the path to Athens is, the, is sometimes the best way to go. Uh, yeah, so Corbin going pro is uh, something that I had mentioned on the Nolcast for about a month and a half or so that I wouldn't be shocked to see. I kind of thought that this was the direction that this was uh, probably going to go in whenever you have a back who's suffered a significant injury and then had a nice year of uh, putting, you know, a nice year that he was able to put on tape, got some of that explosiveness back that made him, uh, you know, made him a very sought-after recruit coming out of high school. Uh, I wish Corbin the best and uh, – Love everything that he did during his time in Tallahassee, and he was a really great influence. Uh, yeah, I. So the question is, who's more likely to sign tomorrow, Nigelique or Jones Jr.? I think that Florida State has a chance with both. Not a great chance with either. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the pod, I would be slightly more optimistic about Nigelique Kelly at this point. I do think Florida State's gotten some positive feedback on that end. Again, I question as to how many other schools have gotten similar feedback, but, um, you know, that would be a a massive, massive recruitment to win uh, just by the whole series of events and the manner that it played out, and it would be uh, very significant. If you get either of them, it's a really big day uh, and something to be, you know, celebrated. Having said that, I don't think you get either of them, so... Uh, any idea how much, you know, Marvin Jones, NIL money? I don't, I'm really not sure. I mean, I have, I think Marvin, you know, you're certainly talking six figures, uh, with these kids and, um, somebody like Jones Jr. would probably be closer to $200,000, but I'm, I'm not positive about that. And I'm almost hesitant to, um, to speculate about it other than kind of rough round numbers like that. Um, I will say that I'm really interested to see what Florida State does with um, with their NIL program. Um, I'll just let y'all <laughs> let y'all in on a little old cast secret here. Uh, 
that I reached out to two members of this roster uh, at the beginning of the year and basically like, look, you can't give these kids money. And I wasn't just trying to give these kids money, but I was kind of just trying to give kids some money and um, never got a response from either of the two people that I reached out to. Now there's a, there's a, you know, it's first year doing this. Um, There's always going to be some hiccups in the system or whatever else. Um, but because of the way that the Florida state law is written, the school can't have direct contact with kids about this. There kind of has to be the creation of a third party. So glad to see that rising spear was able to get up off the ground. We'll be curious to see what happens with that. And I think it'll be a good tool. I mean, there needs to be kind of a go between, between, uh, you know, a, a, entity that wants to sponsor and uh and the roster you can't just call you know you can't just call odell and tell him you want to sponsor some of his kids or whatever so uh yeah what would we have had those kids do i don't know to wear a noel cast t-shirt once a month or something like that i mean it would have been minimal i can promise you that um <laughs> yeah not a rising spear not a you know not a moment too late for that so uh, interesting to see what happens here. So uh, Jack asked random question: How did uh, how did I meet Bud? Uh, Bud and I met about oh, I don't know 10, 12, 14 years ago, somewhere in that area. Um, I was working in radio at uh, in Atlanta here at six eighty the fan, and um, we were just kind of on in a similar, very small Florida State message board, and started you know swapping some ideas and um you know insider information with each other or whatever else there was a couple series of events that led to bud and i communicating directly uh a little bit more one of them was there was a uh there was a florida outlet that was trying to shop a story about florida state's illegal recruitment of james walter jr and it was ended up being like one of the larger nothing burgers of all time but i called bud the night before to discuss uh how legitimate that was and um and nothing ended up coming of the story and he and i talked for you know two hours and 10 minutes about defensive linemen's weight gain and everything else and um i was familiar with podcast in general and thought that that was going to be a thing that was going to be emerging on the scene so i said hey look why don't we start a podcast if we're gonna just you know sit here and talk between 7.30 and 10 about Florida State football, we should probably record this and see where it goes. And that's kind of how the NOLCast started. Uh, yeah, uh, CJC, I don't, I'm, <laughs> uh, Marvin Jones Jr.'s mother is much more the, um, you know, the driving force behind his recruitment than, uh, than the father is. So um, that's, the, that's the, the dynamics in that recruitment. Uh, yeah. Okay. Lee. So yeah, no, the, I mean, it's been some ups and downs as to what's happened all year and Bud and I are of slightly different, uh, disposition as far as, you know, how the record played out. I will say, look, if you're five and seven and you're losing kids or not losing kids, but you're not signing everybody on signing day that you wanted to two weeks ago, you're always going to go back and look at things. And, um, I, I my kind of personal opinion is if you're five and seven, you'd, I don't want to say it doesn't matter how it played out. It does to an extent. 
Um, but it, you know, you're five, five and seven, five and seven. Uh, I will say that I thought the beating Miami in the way that you did put a whole lot of more people behind uh, Norvell and belief in him. And I think it was tied to some of the, some of the success uh, that, that Florida State's had recently in some of their uh, NIL, uh, you know, pursuits and getting it off the ground and being able to present some things to kids that you needed to to make sure that they ultimately signed with you. Uh, how does the uncertainty of Dillingham impact you? I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I don't think it did you any favors either. I mean, ideally this would have taken place a week from now, but that's just, you know, not the way that uh, – that's just not the way that this coaching game works right now. And, you know, guys get opportunities and Dillingham as, uh, as Josh Newberg and others have pointed out, Dillingham and is a super aggressive guy, but particularly has relationships with Lanning. And, uh, that was always going to be something to keep an eye on. And then when Lanning ultimately gets a job like Oregon, well, there's just an awful lot of things that, that makes sense about that. Um, so, yeah, remember the good old days of SoundCloud? Well, SoundCloud's what we're on. TalkShoe was the, uh, the, old, the old OG platform that was kind of hilariously bad at times. So, uh, shout out to them. In the middle of the statements. And, uh, thoughts on Norvell's extension? Yeah, I don't think it's a real big deal either way. I mean, it's a verbal agreement. Let's him look at any kid that he's recruiting and tell him that he'll be there through the entirety of his recruitment. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, I don't want to say it's a non-issue, but it's really not a, not a real big deal. Uh, in my opinion, I, I do think that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be a whole hell of a lot more interested in and will take away a lot more from extensions that either get offered or don't get offered, uh, of the position coaches immediately after this. So, um, yeah, I did hear that a lot, Oscar, that when I left TalkShoe, my voice changed significantly. By no means, uh, not by no means the only person who, uh, who said that, so I'm guessing that was probably pretty accurate. Uh, yeah, Hunter more plays on offense than, than defense. Um, yeah, I, I think he certainly will play more on offense, particularly if you have the day at wide receiver that I'm concerned about you potentially having tomorrow. Um, what fake Twitter rumor made you laugh the hardest this cycle? Um, I don't know. I, I just, Twitter in general just cracks me up, right? Like, uh, like when that eyeball stuff got started yesterday, <laughs> I just love that some guy's immediate extrapolation of that was like, I bet this has to do with Marvin Jones Jr. Doesn't it? Uh, sure, bud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Travis Hunter is expected to sign tomorrow. Definitely. Uh, Gregory Stone asked uh, a question, and kind of the the reference here is from uh, Jeff Cameron, who's done a, a great job of always articulating uh, the speeding analogy or speeding metaphor of uh, Greg asked, do you think we've reached a point where driving 155 will now be allowed slash ignored? Well, yeah, I mean, it's more or less legal. Um you can, <laughs> you can, uh, 
you know, you can do what you want with with uh, how some of these individuals choose to spend their money and whether or not they, um, you know, want to either pool it together in a manner to where what I think is going to be somewhat more common moving forward to where like every student athlete or every scholarship football player is guaranteed $39,000 a year, whatever it may be. Or, you know, if you're at Alabama, you know, that number will probably be closer to 60 or something like that. Um, I do find it interesting that I do think there's, that there's been some significant NIL deals that just weren't announced or weren't made a big deal of. Uh, I referenced this like five or six months ago. I, I think Alabama made a massive NIL deal with a, uh, with a, <laughs> with an automobile company that was split evenly throughout the course of the roster and you didn't really hear about it. Um, so I think some of these schools are choosing to just do it provide for the student athletes in a manner that they haven't ever been able to do. And then are, I'm sure they're using it internally as a recruiting tool, uh, but, you know, aren't necessarily discussing it as much uh, kind of outside the campfire. Now, at the same time, Nick Saban casually walked up to the stage at SEC Media Days and said, uh, yeah, our quarterback's got more than a million-dollar uh, NIL deal here now. So um, it's interesting, the deals that are talked about and maybe those that aren't. Um, but again, we're all just kind of living through the, uh, you know, the beginning stages of this and trying to figure out, you know, what it looks like and what it ultimately becomes. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Seminole Moments ask, whatever happened to the Apex program? Haven't heard a whole lot about it since Florida State introduced it. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still figuring out how to try to marshal the resources that they have at hand and um, put that together in a manner that's productive. Um, but I really, you know, like, is the Apex program going to help Jordan Travis put together 4th and 14 sweatshirts or something like that? You know, like, that's kind of what that would be designed to do. It's not so much a... Um, hey, Marvin Jones, we're going to give you a quarter million dollars a deal a uh, year here. It's more like, hey, Marvin Jones Jr., when you sign here, we'll help you, you know, develop your brand, market it, and put it in a manner to which can be, you know, monetized and and uh, and developed in a more, you know, significant manner. Um, also, just want to tell you all, I'm like heavily uh, just fighting a cold and have congestion here, so if you hear me, you know, mouth breathing on the microphone or whatever else, I apologize, and we'll try to minimize it uh, as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, student athletes will be making more than teachers, and that's a that's just the cold reality of the situation, and probably reflective of uh, you know we should get Jimbo in here to talk about how that's reflective of broader society issues and everything else, but. Uh, B. Riley, I agree. That is that is certainly the direction that we're headed here. Quarterbacks in the portal that we might go after, I don't think anybody is going to jump on a, a quarterback immediately. I mean, if you just look at the names that have entered in the last 10 days or so, it's really kind of wild. Uh, I did find it interesting that, like, when you enter the portal, you can you know deem yourself either open to contact or not. And I think almost everybody has but the Auburn kid, uh, which – makes me think that he's got a feeling for where he's going to go and 
that'll be interesting to see. Certainly, it would you would think that uh, that UCF may well be that destination for him. But no, I mean, I, I think the portal. What you're seeing with the portal is that you really don't need to rush into anything. I mean, these this situation is going to play itself out. There's going to be more and more kids that uh, that enter this thing and try to figure out. Really, every everybody's got to trigger try to figure out how to do this and whether or not it's uh, you know advantageous for them to try to immediately identify somebody, get a commitment, etc. Or if it's best to just let it play out, see what actually what actually comes about, and um, you know what their real options are. So um, I was watching uh, X's and O's or the triple option. I get that confused. I think their YouTube page is called X's and O's, and the triple option is the show. If you guys haven't given that a listen previously or a watch uh, over on YouTube, I would recommend it. But they they brought up a great point that uh, you know Dylan. Dylan Griffiths didn't enter the, um, Dylan Gibbons, excuse me, didn't enter the portal until May of last year. He went through spring practice, realized he didn't, uh, wasn't where he wanted to be on the uh, death chart and ultimately left. So, you know, it's four or five months from now. There's a whole lot of transfer portal activity that has yet to take place. So I know it's cool, uh, and I crack up as well when, some people in our fan base um, on Twitter, like, always use that uh, <laughs> that picture of the gentleman in, like, the gold suit in the distance uh, eyeing up every prospect that enters the portal. That is hilarious to me. Uh, but, you know, these decisions don't have to be made instantly, and you've got a lot more time to let situations play out. Um, let's see. Michael asked, what was your favorite Jimbo moment? Uh, mine was, yeah, I mean, when he compared a player, when he compared players on the roster to debt was, was, uh, was certainly up there. I mean, there's a lot of good Jimbo moments, both, uh, of the hilarious kind and then he's, uh, you know, the, the good kind when he goes in there and into Cam Baker's living room and tells him, you know, son, old Mrs. Problems aren't your burden to carry or whatever. That's a, that's a hell of a recruiting pitch and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm at the point in my, uh, in my Jimbo phase here where I just wish him the best and enjoy and appreciate what he did, uh, during his time here at Florida state. And yeah, his ankle, I mean, <laughs> his ankle, uh, response to every Matt Thomas question that was ever thrown his way is, uh, is pretty hilarious as well. Uh, does Max Johnson fit the offense perfectly? No. Would he have been a great addition, or would he, would he really have been a good solid addition? Yes. Would he also have been the addition to which I don't think he would have scared anybody away? Yeah, uh, I do. I think that would have been a good fit, and I would have loved to have gotten his brother. His brother would have been the best receiving option from the day he stepped foot on campus um, if he had chosen Florida State. So uh, disappointing not to see that play out, in my opinion, in uh, – in Florida State's, uh, you know, to their benefit. But uh, we'll find out more about that tomorrow. But as I open the podcast with the latest on the younger Johnson out of Oconee County, which is either the best tight end or the third best tight end, depending on where you look, um, is that he may well be going out to uh, out to play with Jimbo, uh, ironically enough. So good, because Texas A&M is in 
you know, desperate need of, uh, of some more talent in that recruiting class that they put together. Uh, what do I think Florida State needs to do with the support staff in the offseason, Austin? I think they need to address the position staff, you know, the, the direct staff immediately. You need to you need to reevaluate some of your position coaches. Uh, you need to <laughs> you need to get a feel uh, for what people's strengths are, what they're really bringing to the staff and, uh, you know, why you have them. Uh, and if it's that you think there's some kind of great coaching commodity, then you've got to figure out where they were able to bring that, um, you know, where they were able to bring that to you, whether they are some kind of great resource when it comes to breaking down film or preparing kids or whatever else. Um, you know, you need to be, you need to have some real dogs on this staff when it comes to recruiting. You've got two or three guys who can really hold their, you know, hold their, their water on the recruiting trail. And when you have, when you're at Florida state with this roster right now, that number has got to be closer to five or six. Uh, let's see. Do any other Florida state podcasters annoy you? Yeah, no, that's not the, not the conversation for the evening. Um, is Dugan's getting extended in January? It would seem pretty doubtful at this point, but you know, we'll have to see. Um, Any uh, young and upcoming coaches we should know? Yeah, no, I mean I don't know that they do love the tow cars. Or there's a lot of there's a lot of good conversation about the tow cars uh, guy that's on staff, and I would expect him to probably move into the quarterback position. But that is kind of the um, the challenge for head coaches as they you know get further and further away from their assistant coaches days and the period of time. Um, in their coaching development when they really had their, you know, their thumb on who the great young minds were in the game and where they are and who they would like to add to a staff once they became a head coach at a significant program, um, that becomes, you know, that that's a harder challenge for every head coach the longer he's in that position. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see how Mike handles this. I do think that if you're going to promote Randy on the defensive side of the ball that you've got to be real, real aggressive uh, with what you're trying to do and who you're trying to identify as hires on the um, on the offensive side of the ball. If you um, have to make changes on that side of the ball, which ultimately I think you are. Um, let's see. Our old friend Matt Leach asked may have already answered this, but is there a connection between the number of DBs that they're on and so few wide receivers in the class? Wondering if they're clearing the way for Hunter to play primarily on offense. Yeah, no, I mean, I think they've, um, you know, I, I think the conversation with Hunter has been that he will play both, you know, play on both sides of the ball, but they plan on developing him and seeing him drafted as a, you know, top 10 pick on the defensive side of the ball. And that's what that kid's, you know, ultimate want is, at least as it was expressed to me three or four months ago. Um, but, that kid's as dynamic a prospect as you've signed on whatever side of the ball he comes here in, you know, 10 or 15 years. And Florida State's wide receiver position is is uh, in desperate need of a talent infusion. And uh, if Travis Hunter ultimately signs with Florida State, as I expect he will tomorrow, uh, I think that you'll see. I wouldn't shock me if his freshman year isn't as high point in the number of offensive snaps that he takes and then maybe it 
you know, trends downward a little bit over the course of his career. Uh, what happened to Dugans? He was really desired when he left Miami, not just because he was alum, but because he had some dudes under him. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, he's always had the, um, there's always been the complaint about his wide receivers, you know, dropping balls occasionally and stuff like that. But he was, yeah, he was, uh, he was really instrumental in, in keeping some of Florida State's transition class together as well. So it, it has been, um, a little bit of a precipitous fall off for Dugans, I would agree. And I don't, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not in those meeting rooms. I don't know if, uh, you know, if the internal desire is, is there in the manner that was three or four years ago to recruit or what. I, and I not, I'm not saying that to suggest something. I'm, I'm being dead honest with you. I don't know. What I do know is that you have not had some success on the recruiting trail of wide receivers and that you have not developed wide receivers. I mean, it's just fact of the matter. That room is not very good at all and uh it doesn't appear at least the night before signing day as though there's going to be a massive injection of talent into that uh into that position group either yeah i mean i i know i know what y'all are saying to an extent when you say like oh some of these kids can play both ways and stuff but it's like that works a whole lot better in Madden or NCAA than it does in real life. I mean, there's there's a kid that can play both ways as a like once in a decade type talent for the most part. It is very rare, and uh, even you know more of an oddity that you don't need uh, that kid to take snaps at defense to develop the side of the ball that you're actually signed him to and and trying to uh, you know trying to trying to better also. It doesn't make for real good relations <laughs> between the staff when, you know, you've got a kid bouncing back and forth all the time as to what position group he's in and uh, not giving a certain degree of certainty as to, uh, you know, what a, what a coach's position group looks like and who he needs to focus on and try to develop. Uh, I'm hearing that McCall flips tomorrow. Yeah, no, not hearing that and not, I mean, of all the guys that I have a concern with, Sam McCall is not, um, not one of them at, at least at, you know, 10 o'clock the night before signing day. We'll see if that changes. Um, let's see how many recruiting classes wins to constitute, how many recruiting classes and how many wins to constitute. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Mike will need to sign another class next year um, of of top 10 to top 15 quality to really uh, be confident that you've put together a ground-level floor uh, to which you can think that you're really seeing like a rebuild take place. Um, this class is significant and needed, um, but next year's class is, is you know, just as desperately needed and, and uh i think you know if you could have beat uf obviously would have been great for numerous reasons but it would have you know provided a um provided a level of momentum for the 2023 class that would have been really significant so uh, but i still think that florida state's in a really good position to do well in 2023 and um it's just going to be fascinating to see what the landscape of recruiting in the state of Florida looks like with all the challenges that, or all the changes that have taken place. 
Who are you concerned about flipping tomorrow? Um, no, I don't see anybody that Florida State has signed or has committed that's going to necessarily sign elsewhere. I mean, the, the Mortimer kid is the one that you want to take a look at. I talked about that some at the beginning of the recording. Just a little bit of a strange situation, but somebody that Florida State desperately needs to sign. Um, I think... Um, you know, you're going to have a situation with the, uh, you know, the kid from Auburn there that it doesn't sound like he's going to have an NLI to sign until February because of academics. Um, but no, I don't think there's, you know, yeah, it may have one or two kids that don't sign, but I don't know that there's necessarily anybody that I'm, you know, desperately concerned is currently committed and you're going to wake up and, you know, see him put on, uh, put on an unfamiliar baseball hat. Oh. Uh, were we screwed if early signing day goes away? Yeah, that's a good question, and it would be fascinating to see what happens with this. I mean, I know there's a lot of talk about moving signing day up earlier. Um, there's some interesting ramification, and to an extent, I think that should probably take place, or they should just do away with it and go back to February. But if you move it up, the date that's normally put uh, as to what would happen would be somewhere in late August. I mean, that's going to be interesting, y'all, but how many, how, and, but what's going to happen is you're going to have to put a stipulation in there as to if position coach or head coach is fired, then the kid can get out of that commitment with no, um, you know, with no, any kind of, uh, harm done or whatever else. He can just kind of wipe his hands of the situation. Well, what that's going to do is people aren't going to fire, coaches until you know two days uh after i guess after the end of uh of the traditional signing day or something like that uh it's just there's always going to be responses and creative ways that staffs try to get away around whatever structures in place uh, i do think that early signing day here in at this point in time is a little bit of a wonky situation and it's not really all that different. I mean, really all you've done is move it up six weeks from where it was as far as the first Wednesday and in February to now you've made it, you know, in the middle of December. Um, that, it will be interesting to see what happens. My prediction is that within three or four years, this particular signing day doesn't exist anymore uh, as it is. It's either moved to August or it's just done away with and we go back to uh, to February as it, as it was back in the good old days. Um, do you think anyone will postpone tomorrow? Uh, not not for reasons outside of academics or other things that we referenced. I mean, most of, look, these, these kids have gone through the process – most of them are just tired of it at this point in time. Um, I don't know. I don't think you see any kind of postponements that aren't tied to um, questions surrounding academics. Uh, any thoughts on the Johnson brothers? Yeah, we talked about that. It looks like with uh, with the younger Johnson, the kid out of uh, out of Oconee County, there announced that he'll be making his decision. I think at eight o'clock in the morning. In my opinion, that is not going to go in Florida State's direction, and that's, uh, you know, disappointing. Would have been a great ad for Florida State to have kind of backed into something like that, and uh, Jake Johnson would have been an incredible addition. Uh, one more time on Marvin Jones Jr., yeah, and I think Florida State sits third or fourth for that kid right now. 
Uh, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think you got to hope that Marvin Jones Jr. goes to bed tonight and has dreams of of his dad and his cousin and his uncle and everything else and, you know, wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I, for me, it's, uh, for me, it's, it's Florida State. That's what I got. You got to have a Lorenzo Booker moment for Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, tomorrow or a Travis Johnson moment or all sorts of these other, you know, long old man recruiting stories that I like to reference where kids, you know, were all set to go somewhere else and then sat in front of a sat in front of a letter of intent and just realized that Florida State was where they wanted to go, where they needed to go in their mind. Uh, so you got to have a last minute change of heart for Jones Jr. Oh man, DeMar Dorsey. That is a name I haven't heard about in forever and I was actually trying to remember that kid's name uh, about a week ago or so. So Thank you very much for bringing that up, Eric. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I felt like Sam McCall was going to be, you know, you're going to have to ride that out, and he was probably going to commit to two or three places as the as the recruitment went on. But, yeah, that was a um, – that's been a kind of consistent, steady recruitment. Been wild to see that that kid is stuck. And uh, whenever I talk to Bud about, you know, Florida State's best recruiters, he always cracks me up and be like, oh, you know, it's <laughs> – it's this guy and this guy and Atkins and Travis Hunter. And um, you just got to give Travis Hunter credit for that. You got to give Travis Hunter a lot of credit for a lot of the kids that are going to sign tomorrow. But no more clear example than that than Sam McCall. So, uh, look, if you, you get the Thomas kid that we expect tomorrow uh, out of Niceville and you get McCall and you get Hunter, put together a hell of a secondary recruiting class. And, um, you know, the Thomas – Recruitment is interesting in the fact that two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you really would have sounded crazy if you would have even insisted that Florida State might have been on the, you know, might have been on his board. Um, but you did a good job consistently pursuing him. You had some interesting relationships there that you, you know, those are the things that you fall back on when you're in the in-state school and you're recruiting a kid um, out of Niceville. You, you know, Florida State, I will give this staff credit. They explore everything in the world that they can uh, to try to get in front of a kid and try to make an impression on a kid. Um, and they did a good job of that with Thomas. And by all accounts, that's going to end up, uh, you know, ending with a, you know, in a really positive manner. Look, you know, I know that there's some frustration or uh, maybe not frustration, maybe just more disappointment because you're not going to, in all likelihood, you're not going to sign Kelly. You're not going to sign Jones Jr. You're not going to sign Coleman. You're not going to sign some of these names um, that, you know, have been kind of in everybody's eye for the last month or so. But look, you're going to wake up tomorrow, and you're almost certainly going to add um, Azaray Thomas, who's a top 100 player and a hell of a football player, uh, Julian Armella, who's a, you know, top 10 offensive line prospect, um, and you're going to get a kid like Tyree Rust out of Georgia. I mean, that's a – those are – really big additions. Uh, and I, if, um, you know, maybe there was a little bit more uncertainty to some of these kids or some other things. I think the, I think the psychology of, uh, of recruiting is fascinating to watch with, with fan bases. Cause it's almost like as soon as they become convinced that a kid's actually signing to them, well, they just kind of lose interest and it's not as big of a deal. Uh, and that recruitment's not as big of a deal. So, um, you know, fascinating to see how that plays out. But 
I think Thomas, uh, let me pull up the 247 schedule here. So Thomas is a 130 decision. West is an early decision, if I remember correctly. Yeah, West is a 9 a.m. And uh, I don't see Julian Armella on here, so we'll have to look at that. But you should, you know, by 10 o'clock, you should have a pretty good feel as to some of these pieces as to where they go. And the West kid is a 9 a.m. decision, so... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we, we have to look at all of this, um, as a, you know, as an honest reflection as the program that's doing this recruitment, a program that won three games last year, that won five games this year. Um, the recruiting class is going to be a very good class considering the circumstances. It's just not going to be exceptional. So, you know, you take that for uh, for what it's worth. Um, yeah, I do think Florida state has a chance to add, you know, maybe one name that the, the general recruiting body is, uh, is not super familiar with, but we'll see if that, uh, comes to fruition and you can sign up on my, uh, you can sign up for my yearly pass as I, uh, discuss the mystery recruit more. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm just, just laughing about some of the recruiting industry there. Um, yeah, so I, a lot of people are asking us about, um, like text messages. Uh, certainly Tomahawk Nation, to my knowledge, is still doing that. That's one of my favorite things, um, on signing days to get all the texts from Tomahawk. I'd point you in their direction. Uh, great people who do a great job covering the program. And I do believe that they have, um, that you can opt in to their NSD text messages, uh, as I have done in the past. Uh, Earl Little is the question as to when he commits. I think he's one of the later commitments of the day. Yeah, he and Marvin Jones Jr. are a uh, 445 uh, time period as currently um, as currently listed on the uh, on ESPN's uh, list of kids that are going to commit there. Uh, how long before the portal becomes the last resort ra- uh, rather than the method of choice? Anomaly, how long does it take? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to see. <coughs> it's interesting to see what happens with the portal. I still think people are trying to figure out exactly how they're going to use this and, um, and various schools are trying to figure out how much they want to lean on it. Um, yeah, as far as who I think Florida State may be able to add that people aren't immediately familiar with, yeah, I'll certainly let you know in time. Um, um, yeah, we talked about Norvell's extended contract earlier. I don't really think that's that big of a deal. I think it's a good thing, but not something I'm going to you know worry about or tell you is a you know brilliant move one way or another. Uh, hold on, there was a Keir Thomas question. Yeah, versus um, the defensive end out of Albany, I don't think you're going to figure – I don't think you're going to hear on that for a while. I mean, I, I know that USC has gotten involved. Miami's gotten involved. I think the original timeline was that that kid wanted to make a decision uh, before Christmas. Um, I don't – you know – I don't get great feelings for that, for where they are right now, but 
that will just be uh, interesting to see how that plays out and where he actually travels to. You certainly have a unique selling point with, you know, what Thomas and and uh, Jermaine were able to accomplish this year and, you know, the ability to instantly plug in a, a defensive end and have him be a impactful member of your defense. But um, we'll just have to see where that that goes. I'm not particularly optimistic about where they stand uh, with him right now. So, um, all right, y'all. I mean, that's right at about an hour. I feel like we've covered almost everything. Most of the questions at this point are, um, you know, repetitive or something that we talked about previously. So, uh, probably going to wrap it up here. Uh, a final question. Would you go to the portal for a running back? I think they will will be very selective uh, with a portal running back. I think they'll be uh, patient. Like I said, you're going to see tons of names enter the portal. The portal is going to be a crazy freaking place this year. Uh, I think we'll see more portal activity this year than ever and by a really massive amount. So I I do think that they'll be open to it, but it's going to have to be a a really good fit. So for me – and the Lagavulin 16 and everybody else uh, associated with the Nolcast certainly appreciate you signing in. We'll have, um, I think the plan is for Bud to do a solo show tomorrow uh, while he is on the road. And then we'll be back maybe, uh, you know, Friday or sometime over the weekend to, um, to do a full recap. So love you guys. Appreciate all the support uh, you give Bud and myself. If you get an opportunity to subscribe to the YouTube page or, um, Yeah, whatever all that other stuff is. Know that it's appreciated. And uh, go Knowles. Hopefully today, by the time you're hearing this, it'll be today, uh, will be a great day for Florida State. And uh, we all anxiously await that that Travis Hunter (laughs) LOI. Look forward to getting it. And uh, we'll jump into more recruiting conversation and a recruiting recap later on in the week. Till then, go Knowles.